0: Sermon is pre recorded.
1: The message is be ye holy. Be ye holy. Almighty God. Save us from guilt. Make us holy in all that we do and all that we say. Forgive us for false judgments for accusations. Lord, make us holy. Set apart for you, Jesus. Filled with your spirit. I pray in your holy name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. First Peter is spoken to men and women who have an intent in their heart to be holy. It is spoken to people who want to be serious about this walk with Jesus Christ. He begins by describing how the elect have been brought in to the kingdom of God and that is through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. So he's describing for us the process of being holy, which is in 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood. The sprinkling of the blood is the forgiveness of past sins. The obedience is the current work of God in our hearts. In Romans, the 8th chapter, it says that God takes aside side by the Holy Spirit against our infirmities and our weaknesses. God stands against those in us, and that's what brings us victory victory is always by the blood of Jesus and by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. He then begins to talk about, in way of review, the trials of our faith that we've had to go through to prove that we are genuine before God. That we might receive, verse 9, the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, if we look carefully, let me just read for you verse 12 so that you get the context for verse 13 because this is where we're going to spend most of our time. This is 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them, and have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. As a way of quick review, the word ghost in the Old English means guest, holy guest. So he's saying the Holy guest was sent down from heaven, And the the angels desire to look into these things. This is the point of interest for the whole universe. God is working out on the stage of earth the whole plan of redemption for man and the whole universe. They are all watching with eager anticipation as the earth is also groaning in itself with anticipation for the delivery of God's sons and daughters. Now, here comes the direction because this is all happening. Verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's break that down. Gird up your loins. What's he talking about? Well, in that culture, They wore robes, didn't wear slacks or dresses. They wore robes. And he's saying, you know what you do when you go to work. You know what you do when you have to run. You don't want those robes tripping you or getting in the way when you're working with the cattle. You want to be able to move freely. So they would pull the robes up and tie them off around their loins, their waist. They would tie them up as a sign they're ready to go into action. So Peter is saying, look, I've told you all of this wonderful stuff about what God is doing. Now get ready for action. Gird up your mind. Well, how do you gird up your mind? We have every temptation of the devil coming at us. And we have to tie all of that stuff up, get it out of the way, so we can focus on what God has called us to. Then it says, be sober. Be sober. You gird up your mind so you can be sober. If you talk to someone from AA, they'll tell you what it means to be sober. No more alcohol. No more intake of those things which take away your ability to make judgments. To be sober means to be in your right mind and be able to process what's going on around you without being drawn into the conflict without being drawn into sin. You're sober of mind. You are conscious. You are not walking unconsciously before God. You're sober. Sober in order that you can hope fully in the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, what is that grace? It's the divine influence of God coming into your life to reveal Jesus in all of his fullness. This is not for salvation. Please, these is, this word is being written to people who are already the elect of God. They've been called. They've entered into Jesus Christ. They have been sanctified. And now he's saying, okay, Get your mind in shape. Now, please, this whole walk with Jesus is a mind issue. It all happens in the mind. Depression, discouragement, unbelief, it all happens in the mind. That's one of the reasons we have to constantly be feasting on the Word. This Bible will keep you from sin. And sin will keep you from this Bible. Okay, so, you gird up the loins of your mind in order that you can fully hope on the divine influence of God that is going to continue to function in your life, teaching you the way of truth and life. Verse 14, as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. In other words, now you know the difference. You don't turn back on him. You walk in belief and faith, and you proclaim the word of God. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. It's in conversation where the judgments are passed. It's in conversation where one person hurts another. It's in conversation that sin finds its birth. He's saying, be holy in all manner of conversation. Conversation leads to actions. Conversation is not just empty. It leads to dullness of mind and spirit. If we constantly are in conversation about the foolish things of the world, if after the service all you want to talk about are the new baseball scores, your conversation will result in the deadening of your mind and your heart, and you will have no interest in this word of God. If your conversation, on the other hand, is praise and worship to Jesus and encouragement to the brothers and sisters, your conversation leads to holiness. It's astonishing to me the power of a word. A person calls me. They're having a hard time. I begin to talk with them about the power of God. I begin to encourage them to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly, just that brief word can totally change their entire perspective of the day. And suddenly, the peace of God enters their heart just by the spoken word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, our conversation is vitally important if we're going to be holy. Then he says, Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. What does the word holy mean? Set apart. Set apart from what? Set apart from darkness set apart from bitterness, set apart from anger, set apart from having my own way, set apart to Jesus Christ, set apart to be sanctified, to be made righteous. Now, when we consider all of this, there's much more that is spoken of by Jesus Christ, about girding up the loins. And I want you to turn with me and let's, let's review what Jesus has said about our loins being girded about in Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 35. Twelve thirty-five. Now, please, if I'm walking down the street and I have a robe on, Does my robe suddenly appear around my waist and on my loins? No. It's something I have to deliberately do. It's an action on my part that I choose not to let my mind go to a certain place. I don't choose to let my emotions lead me to a certain place. I deliberately take the action of holiness to allow the Holy Spirit full reign in my heart. So it says, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. What are the lights? The Word of God is a light unto our path. So it's allowing the word of God to have full reign in our hearts so that the light of God is brilliantly lit for us as we walk so that we know the will of God and we do not sin against him, but we humbly walk before him. But let's get the context. Context is everything. Jesus begins to speak a parable in chapter 12, verse 16. He talks about a man who's a farmer and who is very wealthy. And this farmer has an unusually successful year with a great crop. And he doesn't have enough barn space to store all of this wonderful crop away, the wheat the barley, the other things that he's raised. He doesn't have room to put these things. And so he decides he's going to tear his barn down. And he's going to build a new barn. He says in verse 17, he thought within himself, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater and there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, hey, you you can live the good life now. Everything is okay. You have enough money. You can be carried right on through until you're in the grave. You've got it made. You don't need to work anymore. And God said to him, Verse 20, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So who's going to get what you've stored up? You're going to die tonight. He says, so is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So we immediately see one of the things that God is going to talk to us about in girding up our mind. One man said to me, I've been spending too much time trying to earn money and not enough time reading the Word of God. That's a wise man. It's a wise man because he knows. That's what is truly of value. It is what it's what's found in the Word of God. It's not what's found in His building a bank account. Now, Jesus is not speaking against having resources. He's not speaking against having a business that prospers. He's speaking against letting that business or that prosperity take the place of God. He's saying. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then those, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So he's saying, look, be rich toward God. Gird up your mind so that you're going to focus on the Lord God of heaven. You're already a Christian. You're already called by God. And he's saying now, let your hope fasten on the divine influence of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you will make the next step necessary of girding up your mind so that you can be clear-minded and make decisions based on the Word of God and not on your finances or on your money. Jesus goes on. And he said unto his disciples, verse 22, Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because I'm calling you to focus not on what you can have, but on being rich toward God, therefore I tell you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on, The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. So he's saying, look, yes, you do need clothing to wear. We don't want you to come here nude. Yes, you do need food to eat. We don't want you to come here hungry. It's important that the body functions be cared for. But he's saying, don't let that dominate your life. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn. And God feedeth them, how much more are ye better than the fowls? And then he asks a question. Can any of you go to bed one night, lay in your bed and say, you know what, tomorrow morning I'd like to be six inches taller. Or I'd like to wake up in the morning and be 50 pounds lighter. Can't do it. Can't do it. Jesus is saying, Look, if you can't even do that, then will you trust God to clothe you and to feed you? And will you stop thinking that that's something you have to do? Would you just obey his command? Somebody this last week said to me, God speaks to me all the time. He's calling me. It's like a tug of war. Somebody's pulling me the other way. Well, I said, who wins? Well, sometimes one and sometimes another. I'm in the middle. Well, God is calling us by the power of the blood of Jesus to no longer be in the middle. The only way we can move from being in the middle is to release our chickens to Jesus, to release the job to Jesus, to release the business opportunity to Jesus. You know, I grew up with a false understanding. I thought Jesus was about Christianity. And then out here I had to go and make my living. So when I was in college, man, I bid on every get rich scheme I could bite on. Christmas time came, I was selling Christmas trees down at the side of the road. You know, whatever it took, I was out there hustling because I had to pay my college bill. I know now that was a lie. I owed $600 when I graduated. And if I didn't get that $600 paid before I was supposed to go to seminary where I had a full scholarship, I was going to be drafted. And sent to Vietnam. I didn't want to get drafted and go to Vietnam. I was at that point an officer in the United States Navy. But I could not take my chaplaincy until I graduated from seminary. So I had my world set up. I was going to go to seminary. I was going to enter the Navy. I was already an officer in the reserves. I was going to go into the Navy. I had my life all laid out, but I had this problem of $600. And I couldn't get my diploma, and I couldn't get into seminary without that $600. And $600 was like $6,000 today. There was no possible way for me to hustle and get that. I always remember coming home from my job, which would pay everything but $600. And I got down on my knees, and I began to cry out to Jesus. And I asked him for the $600. And I believed, I prayed until I could believe that the $600 was paid. I went back to work. I was a departmental assistant in the Department of Religion where I was majoring in theology. I was ready for graduation. I walked into the department, and this elderly professor said to me, Ray, I have a a roofing job that I need help with. Lincoln, Nebraska. Would you like to help me do that? I said, sure, but how much will you pay me? My mind was fixed on that $600. He said to me, I'll tell you what, Ray, if you'll go with me, we can get this job done in about two weeks. We have to re-roof a multi-car garage at my rental properties. If you'll go with me, I'll pay all of your expenses. You can ride with me. I'll have a place for you to stay. I said, how much money? He looked at me and he said, and he didn't know about the 600. He said, Ray, I'll give you $600 cash. I said, Lord, I jumped at it. I said, I gave him a hug. I said, yes, (laughs) I'm going to do it. So I rode with him to Lincoln, Nebraska. We started the job. It was way up on the second story over this garage. And I was hustling. I was young and full of spit and vinegar. Ladder was up on that roof. I grabbed a bundle of shingles and I threw it over my shoulder and I went racing up that that ladder, that aluminum ladder. I threw it over my shoulder like that onto the roof and the base of the ladder kicked out and I fell. Now, I can't explain how it happened, but I landed on top of the shingles. And this man almost had a heart attack. He was sure I'd broken my back. He was sure I was done. I jumped up. I said, that was dumb. Let me try it again. (laughs) I put the ladder back up. I picked up those shingles on my back, and he's standing there with his mouth hanging open. And I hustle up the ladder, and this time I carefully place those shingles on that roof. And he said, Ray, are you all right? I said, absolutely. Jesus sent me to this job to get $600. He's not going to let anything happen to me. The protection of the Lord is over me and around me. God did it. He gave me the $600 cash. I went in and paid the college. I got my diploma right after that, and I went off to seminary. And God did it. When we make God the very center and we take no thought for our life except as we take it to him and we stand by faith and we don't waver, he moves. I was told this week that Salem Broadcasting has purchased a new radio station in Washington Market an AM station, a station more powerful than 780. It's 570 AM. It's an ESPN station, and they're selling most of their stations. Well, they bought it. And immediately, in my heart, I said, whoa, we can step up to 570. We might even be able to keep 780 they might do a freebie for me because they've got to program that new station. This fall, they've got to do that. And immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, I thought you said this fall you were going to go FM. Well, but Jesus, this is right here. FM looks like it's miles away. And then I had to repent. It's not up to our cunning. It's not up to our deal-making. It's up to what Jesus wants to do. As we stand by faith, he will do what he said he would do. Will Jesus give you a stone when you ask for a fish? When you ask for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? No. Now, there are some big issues I'm standing by faith on, and I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to stand. I'm going to trust what Jesus is doing. He knows what he's doing. If he can hold the earth in place, this great electric motor called the earth, if he can hold this earth in place, and now I just read physicists are saying, that there is a great galactic bridge between our solar system and the next one closest to us. Really? So he doesn't just design this little electric motor. He's got all the other universes too. And they're all working. Did you get the sun up this morning? No, I didn't either. Do you think you can trust God for your health, for your resources? He's saying, you're a fool if you don't trust me. If you put your confidence in building your barns and you're not rich toward God, you've missed it. You've missed it. Verse 29, seek ye not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of double mind. What is double mind? Well, if I do this, I can get this radio. But God said it was going to be this. Well, maybe God's going to fudge on that, so maybe I better go for the second best. No. What he says is true. We can trust his word. What he says will happen. Now he says For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. It does not say, and all of these things you shall earn. It does not say that. These things shall be added to you. Matthew 6.33 tells us, that we should seek first the kingdom of God that is the royal authority of God exercised over our life and his righteousness and these things shall be added unto you. He says, fear not little flock for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I was worried about $600. Jesus is thinking about the kingdom, not $600. But if all I can stretch is the $600, he'll do that and take care of me if I'll put my trust in him. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old or or don't become broken, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not where no thief approaches neither moth corrupteth my father gave as a poor man he gave fifty per cent of everything he made to the work of the church he paid ten per cent to the church as a tithe he paid of what he made to a Christian radio broadcast, one of the first pastors who ever went on national radio. His name was HMS Richards. He later would become a precious friend of mine and would encourage me to also do radio. My father put a great deal of money into the bank of heaven. I now claim the ATM card to access that account. And when I pray for resources, as I regularly do, I say, Lord, you know what my father gave. I'm not asking for this for me. I'm asking this for your people. I'm asking this for the lost and the dying. Would you let me access his account? And the Lord has regularly let me access that account, transferring the money from his account in heaven to the church account on earth. I rejoice in this. Do you have an ATM card to heaven? Can you access what Jesus has done for us? Reese Howells interceded for the finances to finish the work of the gospel for every creature to hear the gospel message. And he said, I have won the intercession. So the intercession has been won for the money for the lost and the dying. Now we have to access it by the prayer closet. Standing by faith, not wavering. Girding up our minds. Not giving way to all the fear and all of the terror that wants to come against us from every side. Standing absolutely firm. And ye yourselves, verse 36, following his statement of, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. He says, and ye yourselves, like unto men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. So the Lord is saying, look, you gird up your loins and I'll gird up my loins. You stand by faith and don't waver. You trust in the name of the Lord. You obey. You are sanctified. You walk in righteousness before him. Gird up your mind. Don't let the powers of darkness come in and deceive and destroy. But walk faithfully before me. And I'll come and gird up my loins. And I'll go to work. And I'll put a meal before you. You will never forget. I will bring you to the feast of the Lamb. The Lord's Supper. Now, I know my attitude is going to be, Lord, you can't serve me. You sit down. Let me serve you. And I know what he'll say. If you don't let me serve you, you have no part with me. Remember Peter? The Lord doesn't just take from us. He gives to us. He blesses us. He's not a hard God. Now, as you hear these words, don't forget the words of Peter in the beginning where he talks about, for a season, you're going through suffering. For a season, you've had every temptation, every piercing come against you. The trial of your faith, 1 Peter 1, 7, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold, that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Do you understand? This is not so we can get something from God. This is so that we can be saved and walk in the kingdom of heaven. This process that I'm talking about is the process of of fully growing us up into maturity so that we can share with Jesus Christ in the kingdom above where we don't walk in sin or wickedness. There is nothing in my heart that I'm aware of that I have grieved the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that I know of that I have done to sin against him after he washed me and made me clean. Have I made mistakes? Yes. But for the most part, I do not allow myself to walk in deception, to walk in wickedness, to walk in disobedience to the Spirit. I made a vow. I will receive from the hand of Jesus whatever he gives me. And I will do that. And I will do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Guest. And I will do it so that I can be proven docoma, genuine at the end of time. Am I subject to the judgment of others? No, I'm not. I'm subject to the judgment of Jesus Christ. He is our judge. And it's to him we answer. This is for our final salvation. My believing God for that $600 and having him provide that And then to miraculously protect me physically did a great deal to set my feet on the road of holiness because it said I can trust him. And God has done similar things for every one of you in this room. You have seen the power of God come forth in your life. Every one of you have been called by the Spirit, you are part of the chosen. You have experienced the miracle power of God. Now you're going to face even greater trials where it looks totally impossible. But don't worry. The victory is in Jesus. And he will prove himself faithful. The piercings will come. The suffering will come. But with it will come maturity. And with it will come salvation and the final victory. You know what? I don't have to be right. I just have to be sold out and be made righteous. So if we have a stiff neck, he'll tell us we have a stiff neck and he'll tell us what to do about it. Now, if it takes a month to get over the stiff neck, we're in for some pain. If it takes us a moment to get over it, and we submit, which we learn to do, the pain isn't experienced. The pain in the journey is found in rebellion against the Word of God. The quicker we turn from that disbelief and that arrogance and that self- Rule and that self-provision, and we put our faith absolutely in Jesus. Oh, he's a wonderful Lord. He's a wonderful Savior. And we can trust him. Even when he doesn't do it like we think he should. He's God, we're not. So I urge you today, in the name of Jesus, gird up your minds. Block out double-mindedness. Trust in the word of the Lord. And he will carry you through. Let's pray. Lord, I will, by your grace not turn left or right. I will not heed the judgments of men. I will, Lord, heed your judgment. And I will follow. So, Lord, today I pray for each person in this house that you would come with a divine quickening in the heart to study and read the scriptures to be filled with them, to be filled and overflowing, that we could stand in the day of testing and not be destroyed. Lord, I thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
2: I hear the voice Of my Redeemer, He's calling me to walk with Him. And when in life the load I bear is heavy, He gives me strength to rise again. uh the crowd.
0: so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at nationalprayerchapel.com.
2: Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless.